Stenemo, welcome back to the show. Thank you. How are you doing today in this uh, last February uh, in the middle of the week? Wonderful as usual. Nice. And uh, today I think we can be able to be even more because we are talking about a topic that is very interesting to Dr. Stenemo and he can once again remind us from the last episode why it is case. Is this going pr- probably going to be a two-part one? I'm, I'm sure. It depends on how much we cover and how much we cover left. But when I say fire, I don't mean the classic element. I mean something else. Could you explain what I mean? Yeah, so financial independence retire earlier. The fire movement has become quite popular. In short, it's saving money so that you can live rest of that money. And that's been described in many different ways. But the basic in every of these versions of fire is that once you have enough capital, that gives some kind of income. It could be that you have a house that you rent out while you live somewhere cheaper. It could be that you have a stock that you sell off every year for the rest of your life. So it's basically an earlier retirement because you're financially independent. That's the short introduction to FIRE. Okay, so let's do the longer one, but I guess we will take it piece by piece, so to speak. So a couple of things in mind. You mentioned interest and it was both on, uh, I think, the most common thing in stock market, but also on renting. Could you elaborate a little bit more about behind this uh, idea on how you can gain your own money vehicle, so to speak? Yeah, so I think the classical way would be that you have a stock or some kind of farm even where you own the land and someone else pay you for using the land or you could have a stock that gives a dividend every year. So it could be basically any kind of investment where you have so much money that assuming that you give some kind of income every year from the investment that gives income, but the more dividend you get, the more you make on it, less you have to have. So say that you're a very frugal person, that you only need need to live like a Buddhist monk. All you need is basically some food and then you can survive on nothing. Then you don't really need that much money. You can make it from saving for one year, basically. Then you could live on that and uh, live for the rest of your life on just a few, well, like a hundred thousand dollars, for example. Yeah, I, um, I can pretty much remember a classic uh, book called uh, Walden by Henry David Thoreau. I don't know if you've uh, read it, but it uh, describes kind of like an alternative way that goes uh, kind of contrarian to modern consumerism and argue that you can pretty much thrive, not despite having as little as possible, but rather because of it. So I guess in your case, the frugality is very, what you say, well established at this point. Yeah. So uh, what what events led up to, um, because you must have discovered the fire movement in one day and kind of embodied that as your own. So could you tell us a little bit on like how, how you came, maybe not came up with the concept, but how you realized that this was a pathway that you want to reach and how you then managed to secure at the level you are at and maybe briefly mention the different levels as well. <laughs> yes. So for me, I've always been interested in uh, having financial security, but it's never been a case of wanting to retire early. So there are many famous people in history that have rather than stop earning when they have enough financial independence, they have continued to invest. If, for example, Alfred Nobel is a famous example where he made much more money than he needed and he just made a will where he thought that by creating the Nobel Prize, you could help humanity much more than by doing anything else that was available for him at the time. And another example is Warren Buffett and Bill Gates where they make so much money that they think they can, rather than just give it to the government to help society, they can invest in companies and research to improve basically 
research in different areas in order to both cure diseases and to help people in many different ways. So that's really the way I came into this, save money for financial independence and then donate it either while living or in your last will and testament. Uh, and then the FIRE movement was basically something that I ran into while learning more about saving as one alternative to rather than donate money, you can donate time. So you could save up enough money to uh, work for Docs Without Borders, for example. That's one way of rather than giving money, you can give your time and also do, then get the experience of actually meeting the people that you help. So uh, have you uh, done this kind of voluntary work or did you? Yes, go... during oh, my yeah. research uh, education. So as a student in molecular biology, I actually went and did some volunteer work at a research lab. How was it and where where was it? Uh, so this was actually in Mountain View, California, US, where I worked at the Sense Foundation, foundation to investigate biological aging. So rather than wait until you get a disease like cancer, you would want to prevent disease from materializing so that you actually cure diseases completely rather than just curing them once they are discovered. Okay, and I guess that uh, the people you were there, you felt some kind of, what could you say, this uh, both camaraderie, but also some kind of pact that you could uh, achieve and truly set your priorities straight when you came back. Yes. So uh, that's interesting to hear. So if I understand correctly, it seems like this concept of maybe philanthropy to a larger or smaller extent and financial independence goes a little bit hand in hand. Or can you be, um, because I imagine that many people uh, want to aspire to financial freedom out of own interest. Well, maybe they don't want their uh, corporate job anymore or stuff like that. So um, if I understand correctly, there could be many motivations for it. Yes, exactly. I think most people, when they hear about it for the first time, they hear about the basic concept of if you have a job that you do not like, I'd rather never work another day in your life. And then fire is a nice way of saying that rather than wait until you're 65 to retire, rather than spend money on unnecessary things now, you could retire much, much earlier by just not uh, having these unnecessary expenses. Yeah, and that's something some that uh, is pretty much uh, worth considering now in this uh, day and age when both we hear like, okay, we consume too many earths at once and also we there is some kind of counter counterculture wave that uh, you don't really get much happier once you receive some kind of what you say material wealth so um, I guess that when um, when was the time when you realized that like okay maybe I could just uh, pretty much uh, get rid of most of my previously uh, held belongings in order to start the saving for real so to speak so um, could you walk us through like the journey from okay now it's time to be financially independent go through like okay what step by step process to get to where you are so I think I'm an outlier when it comes to fire in that even before I heard about fire I have always thought that I want to spend as little as possible on myself because I'd rather donate it either to research or charities so I basically came into the concept after already being quite frugal so even the first year living away from home I was not really spending that much money on myself other than sport and healthy food I haven't really been a big spender ever so for me it's always been easy to save most of my income okay that's uh, that's good to have that baseline so to speak but I can imagine many people right now maybe wondering like okay how can I like track my expenses the fastest way because I don't know how how popular it is to basically maintain a budget or other kinds of sort to uh, be able to kind of like grasp a reality check or a situation for instance like, okay I spend uh, for instance 200% more on X that I would previously thought of and probably don't like either so would you recommend to people today that they should start by like cataloging 
all what their what their debits and credit cards are doing uh, per month? Or is it rather that you should take it a little gradually? For instance, like, okay, now I'm seeing myself doing this transaction. Maybe I could pull back on it a little. So what, what, what's your tips there? I think it's, it really depends on where you are in your life and what kind of goal you have. So if your uh, goal is to do fire as quickly as possible, which many people who first hear about this concept and how easy it is to actually reach fire within, for example, 10 years or even much sooner if you have a good situation. For those people, I think uh, if you're motivated, you should really count every expense and also count how much sooner you would reach fire by removing this expense. So for example, an expense that is, uh, let's say, a thousand crowns, a thousand dollars per year, that kind of expense could be something simple as eating out with your friend, but that could accumulate over an entire year to quite a lot of money. And if you'd rather invest that money, for example, in the stock market for 10 years, that money would actually make a big impact in how much more money you have in 10 years. But not only that, it's also a case of having decreased your living cost, you also need less money to live on. So if you thought that you're currently spending, let's say, $10,000 per year, if you could decrease that to $5,000 per year, you would actually do quite well in reaching fire much sooner. Yeah, I, um, I can imagine, um, or rather remember, pretty much uh, illuminating article by uh, one very big propagator within the fire commute, so to speak, uh, Mr. Money Mustache. He has uh, written an article called uh, The Shockingly Simple Math Behind early retirement and I like this because it illustrates so vividly like okay it is very um, what you say it, it makes a large difference on which saving percentage you want to get so for instance if you for example saves only 10% then you basically have 51 years until you can call yourself financially independent but if you want to be extreme and do 50% saving then it's like 17 so it's more of a factor of three that uh, is suddenly um, left out of um, the initial so from we just decreased from 51 to 17 and uh, i think it's very cool to kind of realize how much it pays out in the long run while uh, you still want to kind of what you say do some kind of delayed gratification so do you have any comments on on that yes i completely agree and it's usually surprising how much money you spend on things that increase your living enjoyment uh, by just a few percentages so say that you have two different uh, subscriptions to services that complement each other if you just remove one of them and maybe get access to that uh, subscription via friend or via another uh, household or just that you have them every other year. So let's say that you have a sub magazine that you like to read that you could read at the library, but uh, you don't go to the library every month, but you could read it when you are there. You could read the latest three um, magazines when you go to the library. You don't have to have it the same month it comes out. So you could remove many of those subscriptions that over a 10 year period actually do cost you much more than you realize. So it's actually quite easy to decrease your expenses in the beginning. Okay, so I guess like you do the initial cut and uh, try to stick to it. Kind of as, as a habit formation, as we talked in the very first episode together. And uh, then basically have, uh, you say, an extraordinary amount of patients who uh, pretty much uh, have the goal in mind uh, within the decades or so. Yeah, exactly. So um, what's your, uh, because I can imagine that with any good things in life, that getting into this financial freedom can be uh, quite a, what you say, a long-term task. So do you have any advice for people who maybe want to pretty much uh, have some 
kind of like insta pleasure now, but rather want to somewhat have it without all the, what you say, boring downsides, so to speak. I don't know what the argument entails really, but what I'm actually trying to ask you is what's your best tip for um, uh, saving and uh, thriving while preparing for downshift? I think it really depends on what kind of situation you're in. If you're a student, if you've been saving for a lot of time, if you're familiar with investing in the stock market or housing market and your living situation. I think for me, my living situation is quite uh, uncommon, but it's a very good situation if you're interested in fire and want to keep living in the same town. So what I've decided to do is to sublet one of my rooms in my two-room apartment because I basically decided that all I need is one big room that I can uh, sleep in and work in. And then I can basically do my social activities visiting my other friends or in uh, Uppsala where I live. I don't have to have an entire uh, big apartment for myself. Uh, And that way I can sublet one room and then I basically help someone who needs somewhere to live and I basically give them a room where they have everything they need as well. So I can see that I'm helping someone and also able to say more by sublet. Yeah, that's good to pretty much have the cake and eat it too in terms of uh, social (laughs) welfare on the individual level. So um... So to live minimalistically even in your housing because in Sweden at the moment after food housing is the biggest expense for most people throughout the entire life and if you can half your living expense you actually need much less money during your retirement as well. What I also find um, as uh, good practices for maintaining this kind of patience so to speak is to really embrace the fact that what you have right now uh, the more what can undercut expenditures is um, very good enough to uh, thrive in. For instance we have so many free services today uh, all from YouTube to podcasts, friends nearby and other kinds of uh, for instance Zoom and Teams so I, I think there are many ways to still get the enjoyment without feeling the need to throw money at it so to speak and also as you previously said when it comes to housing situations that if you could basically um, do everything from Airbnb to uh, more regular um, inmates so to speak and also be very like, mindful with food as we'll, <laughs> we'll talk you know, about uh, in another episode how to eat the healthiest food for uh, mankind but if you pretty much can cut the expenses there and uh, basically um, yeah, go out in nature talk friends i guess like with with this kind of appreciations and uh, gratitude for the simple thing i can imagine that getting through this lifestyle become more of a blessing rather than uh, you say a sacrifice yeah so um let's talk about the different levels of fire and because that was something i didn't know before before uh, we got together so could you tell us a little bit on what's the common discussion there so in the fire moment it's usually you focus quite a lot of uh, when do you have enough but you can set how close you are to enough in different ways and if you do not actually sit down and calculate it's very easy for someone to say that when I have twice as much money as I have now then I will be financially independent financially secure but once you have twice as much then you feel like nothing has changed then you say I need twice as much as I have now so many people who retire when they're 65 end up having multiple times more than they actually need for retirement and a lot of money then is donated in the last will and testament to research or other charities which of course is a good way of doing it as well But when it comes to fire, you actually want to calculate when do you have enough to retire? And then, of course, you can retire in different ways. Say that you want to retire in the same town and living in the same housing situation as you have now. Then it's very easy to calculate fire. Then you basically say, what are my yearly costs? And then you multiply it by 25. And that is assuming that in the next 50 years, we will have the same return on investment as we had in the last 100 years, which is around 4% after all inflation and all the risks are taken into account for. But if you want to live 
live in a low costing country for your retirement, then you could actually calculate how much would it be to live in that place. And then it becomes quite hard. And there are also other ways of doing FIRE. So one quite popular term in FIRE movement, Barista FIRE. And Barista FIRE is basically that you don't want to rush into FIRE. Maybe you want to have enough money to work part-time. And then if you have a job that you know you could do part-time and if you need extra money, you could work extra and you would be happy to do that for the rest of your life. Then Barista FIRE would basically be that once you have maybe half of your 25 times your yearly living expense, you could go down to work less and less so that you more slowly reach FIRE where you could completely stop working, but you decrease how much you work on your way there. So that's Barista FIRE. And then there are more advanced versions of Barista FIRE and it's basically taking you between different levels of financial independence. If you have enough that you could not work at all for the next 10 years, you could just uh, do volunteer work for 10 years. Then it's common to say that you have like security. It's not financial independence, but financial security. And then uh, some people say that it's a level four, for example, in the fire categories. And then you could have that you could live uh, very frugally. You could live like a Buddhist monk for the rest of your life. And that could be quite similar amount of money as this uh, financial security. But you would just stop eating out for the rest of your life. You would just eat beans and lentils. And then you could say that you're at uh, an early financial independence, assuming you're okay with not living as you're living now. But if you say that you want to save enough money to continue living as you do now indefinitely, and then it's basically financial independence, or sometimes referred to as level six financial independence, then it's basically this 25 times your yearly expenses. And anything after that is basically having more money to increase your living expenses. So many people who retire want to travel the world. And if that's your plan for the first year of your retirement, you might actually want to set aside that you could live over your current yearly expense. And that's basically like level seven or level eight in the fire levels. Yeah, that's a very, what to say, very good description. Also term barista fire and the way to basically gradually move down the, what to say, the common obligations uh, society is a, a part of, so to speak. So I guess that pretty much where you at right now that you work certain percentage on uh, uh, Karolinska in order to probably spend more time on voluntary. Is that uh, the current reality? Yes. So as a postdoc, you have a time limited position and it's usually 100%. And currently I've been uh, working 100% uh, and then on my free time still do some volunteer work. Uh, but my plan is to in the future do have more time to do volunteer work and then do some level of Parista fire. But uh, there's uh, no rush for me in either direction since I'm okay with if I save more money than I need, like donating more money now or just donate it in my last will and test. So for me, it's not that I, as soon as I'm uh, financially independent that I have to start uh, working full-time on the volunteer work. It's also related to another version of uh, how to read FIRE. Uh, so Barista FIRE is basically now I have enough that I could work, for example, 50% if that's what you want to work. Uh, but you could also do some level of Flamingo FIRE where it's basically that you have different stages of your FIRE succession. Uh, so Flamingo FIRE is basically that first you continue working quite a lot until you have uh, about 12 times your yearly expense, for example. And then you basically go down and work more fun work that you actually look forward to doing. So as first you save up a nest egg that is halfway to uh, your financial independence goal. And then you let that nest egg grow itself on, for example, the stock market. And while that one grows, you don't actually have to save more money. So you only have to save half as much as uh, you do in the standard uh, FIRE way. But after you have that uh, halfway goal, then you stop saving money put aside. You just have to get enough money to live for the next 10 years or, or until you, your nest egg has doubled. So it's basically first save a lot of money and then live as uh, as you want while your nest egg doubles. And then once your nest egg has uh, reached your level that you need for fire, 
then you can fully retire from this uh, fun job that you can have while uh, your nest egg grows. So the question is rather if you want to retire from the fun work, because uh, yes. there are people, and I would probably put myself in the category, like pretty much like volunteer work. If you do something that you really like, isn't that some kind of financial independent? Yeah, I think that uh, both Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are great examples of people who they could easily stop working, but the most enjoyable thing they can do is find work that they find uh, meaningful, that they feel that they're good at, that they actually feel is helping uh, society. It's much more enjoyable to help people than to just sit on a beach and watch other people do all the hard work. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably many who uh, in this modern age probably haven't really thought so much because when you're cutting out work all of a sudden and uh, suddenly start to retire early, so to speak, I guess that it could be some kind of what to say period when there is a void in its life. For instance, you don't know what you want anymore. You don't feel like disconnected and other kinds. So I believe at least that it's good to have, a, what you say, a clear a clear visualization of, okay, this is what I want to do with my time when I'm obligated to do something else. So it could be like uh, adventures or voluntary work or even kind of own fulfilling. I'm just um, trying to imagine a um, many scenarios when people actually get fired or <laughs> financially independent retired early, so to speak, that they, they don't like stop existing for that matter. Because if we take, for example, uh, Mr. Money Massage himself, he is um, quite active in terms of house renovation, stuff like that. So um, I guess that you can pretty much agree on that point that the activity doesn't stop just because your paycheck is not longer there because you don't need it. Yes, I completely agree that people who are interested in the fire movement are quite commonly working in a job that they feel they would rather be retired from. And I think that part of uh, it's a nice way of just thinking of escaping your current job by in the future not having to work at all. What I would actually recommend most people in that situation to decrease their living expenses if they can and then find a job that they find more meaningful and more enjoyable that doesn't pay as much because if you work in a field that you don't see a future in, uh, switching to a field that you see a future in but where you will start at a lower level with a lower salary but if you excel in that field because you're motivated in this area then it's actually quite easy for you to level up in your new field and then you could actually get back to the same income uh, within 10 years and having much more enjoyable life while doing it. Yeah, exactly. And that's good to have a little bit of flexibility in the future ahead. So with that, I actually think that we should save up a little bit for part two with this coming week because we still haven't discussed the more nuts and bolts and have to pretty much get stock market to basically favor you most of the time and the 4% rule and more like basic step-by-step for people who just got inspired from our conversation and felt like, okay, maybe you could like take control of your wealth and stuff like that. So maybe as a last gesture, maybe you want to, uh, because you're the expert here when it comes to financial independence, if you want to briefly summarize what we just covered. I think thinking behind FIRE, to both think about what is your actual goal. And I think one thing that frequently isn't talked about is what will actually happen once you reach your FIRE uh, uh, saving. And uh, I think we can get back more to the details about how to think about this. And I think also getting back to the details of what is your saving rate? How much uh, time would it take to reach your goal with this current saving rate? And how can you, how easy it you can actually decrease your time until financial independence by changing this saving rate? And then of course, the different levels. I think we, it's a good introduction to the different levels, but there are both different versions of FIRE that we haven't mentioned and different uh, levels of financial independence that we will get back to as well. So we've only scratched the surface on these topics. Oh yeah, and we'll spend the remaining uh, year's episode on, on, on uncovering <laughs> 
the, the deep ends. Maybe not really, but at least maybe one or even two episodes more. I think that that's something we can pretty much discuss in all ends. But for now, I want to say thank you very much uh, for partaking in this episode. Thank you. Thank you.